I got to have me some air. Man, if you turn your Bibles, please, to the book of uh, 1 Samuel chapter, uh, chapter 25. One of the greatest things I've enjoyed by reading through the book of, uh, of 1 Samuel is that you get to see someone like David, and uh, you get to see someone who's identified by God um, as a man after God's uh, own heart. But as we read through the, the stories of, uh, of David and his actions, we get to see some of those times where David does it right, and he follows God. And then we get to see some of the other times to which David, well, he just doesn't get it all that right, and that he makes mistakes. And it always reminds us, and it's always a good thing that, that we read these people and uh, how much they relate to us, because we know that they are not perfect. And it also is a good reminder uh, of us to remember that as uh, we read through Scripture, that the, the hero of the Bible isn't David, it isn't Abraham, it isn't Noah, it isn't any of those, but the hero of the Bible is Jesus, and uh, it's God. And we can learn so many things from the people that we read about in the Scripture. We can learn so much by God's interaction with Moses and God's interaction with Abraham and God's using of people like Paul and Daniel and Timothy and all of those people, but it's good that we always remember that the true hero, the true person that we want to be like is God. The true person that we want to be like as Jesus. And so as we encounter situations in our life and as we go through our daily life, we need to think about how would Jesus have me handle this? And I know like you, and I know that you're like me, and I know that you are all like David, and we're all like David and other, other people that read through Scripture. And sometimes we get things right, and sometimes we get things wrong. And it's good to know that we have the Scripture, and it's good to know that we have godly people in our life, that in those times to which we almost make mistakes, that we have people that will put us back on the right track. That's what David encountered this morning a time into which he almost got it wrong. But thanks be to God, someone gave him someone in his life to get him back on the right track. So let's read in Scripture, uh, verse Samuel chapter 1, we'll be beginning with the B section of, uh, of verse 1. It says, Then David rose and went down, and went down to the wilderness of Paran. And there was a man of Naon, whose business was in Carmel. And the man was very rich, and he had 3,000 sheep and 1,000 goats, and he, was, and he was shearing his sheep at Carmel. Now the name, of the, uh, and the name of the man was Nabal, and the name of his wife was Abigail. The woman was very discerning and uh, beautiful, but the man was harsh and badly behaved. He was a, uh, a Calebite. David heard, uh, David heard in the wilderness that Nabal was shearing his sheep. So David sent ten young men, and David said to the young men, Go up to Carmel, and go to Nabal, and greet him in my name. And thus you shall greet him. Peace be to you, and peace be to your house, and peace be to all that you have. I hear that you have shears now. Your shepherds have been with us, and we did not do them harm. And they missed nothing of all the time that they were in Carmel. Ask your men, 
Ask your young men, and they will tell you. Therefore, let your young men find favor in your eyes, and we come on the feast day. Please give whatever you have on hand, and your servants and your son uh, David. When David's young men came, they said all this to Nabal in the name of David. And then they waited, and Nabal answered David, David's servants, Who is David? Who is the son of Jesse? There are many servants these days who are breaking away from their masters. Shall I take my bread and my water and my meat and uh, that I have killed for my shears and give it to men who come from I don't know where? So David's young man turned away and came back and told him this. And David said to his men, Every man strap on his sword, and every man of them strapped on his sword. And David also strapped on his sword. And about 400 men went up after David, while 200 remained with the baggage. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, Lord, we just pray to you this morning, Lord, that you'll speak to us. Lord, that you reveal in our hearts, Lord, the people that we've encountered, Lord, this week. Lord, and as we read this scripture, we think about, Lord, all the people that we encounter. Lord, and how we handle them and how we speak to them. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, Lord, that you'll teach us this morning how we should handle the people that do us wrong. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. David was, uh, was uh, of course, on the run from Saul, and he found himself in the wilderness and as he's there in the wilderness, he's trying that even though that he is on the run, he is trying to do the right thing. He is trying to live his life with integrity. He's trying to live his life with, life, life with strength. And he's trying to do the right thing. And so David found himself that he was surrounded by various herders of sheep, various herders of also cattle that would be around him. And David resolved in his heart to do the right thing. He said, I'm not going to take from them. I'm not going to rob them. I'm not going to harm them. Even though that I am strong enough, I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. I am not going to harm them. As a matter of fact, not only am I not going to do them wrong, but I'm actually going to be gracious to them. I'm going to watch after them. I'm going to chase all the sheep herders away. I'm going to chase all the poachers away. And I'm going to make sure that these people live their life in safety. As long as I'm here, I'm going to make sure that all of these people are okay. And so David is living his life in such a way that we hear about how we should live our life from the instructions we receive in uh, Proverbs about how we should live with integrity, how we should not seek to destroy, but yet seek to protect. And so David finds himself in a situation where he's done this thing, where, but now it comes time for one of the feasts. And he says, well, since I've done this good, I'll go ask Nabal, one of these men to whom I have helped watch over, for a favor. Because that's what the life teaches us in Scripture. That's what we learn from the books of like Proverbs, that if we are good for other people, then God will bless us. That if we are good to other people, then those people will be good to us. And so he sent the people, uh, some of his servants, and he sent them with a greeting. He said, look, tell them, uh, I wish you well. Uh, hope everything is going good. And uh, remind them of the things that uh, we have uh, done for them. 
and just ask a favor. Say, hey, it's come from the time of the feast, and uh, anything that you uh, could give us would be of great help. And so he goes to the people, and he goes to Nabal. And Nabal was a rich man, and he had a wife named Abigail, and his wife was very beautiful and very discerning. Nabal, on the other hand, was very arrogant. He was very hot-headed. He was very bad-behaved. His name actually meant fool. And so Nabal answered to him and said, Look, I don't know who these people are. I don't know who you are. I don't know who Jesse is. I don't know any of this. So why should I give you my own meat and my own sheep? Or why should I give you anything when I don't know who you are or I don't even know where you come from? And he sent them back. Isn't that the way of the world sometimes? Where as much as good as we do, people don't recognize it. As much as we give and as much as we share, we find so much the truth that the, that the world is full of, much more full of takers than it is givers. And we talked about this a couple of months ago. When uh, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, when we talked about how uh, David was did a good thing for the people of Kilel, and yet those people turned on him and sold him out. And we talked about how that sort of bitters our heart. And it teaches us a lesson that sometimes, you know what, it seems that no good punished. But today, in this instance, we learn another other truth of life. A truth that sometimes that we conclude in our own heart. A conclusion that David made in his heart, in his anger. He said this. Look at verse number 21. It says, And now David had said, Surely in vain I have guarded all that this fellow has in the wilderness, so that nothing was missed of all that he belonged to him, and he has returned me evil for good. God do so more to the enemies of David and more also if the morning I leave so much as one male of all that belong to him. David, after encountering someone repaying him evil in return from his good, gave up on life, gave up on God, and said, you know what, all of this goodness is in vain. All my doing what is right was in vain. All of my service is in vain. And life is nothing more than what I can get for me. God's not watching out for me. Nobody's watching out for me. So I've got to watch out for myself. I've got to do justice for myself. And so I'm going to go and fix this. And David was filled with rage. He was filled with anger. And so he saddled up all his men and he said, let's go, boys, because by tomorrow ain't going to be nothing left of any of those people of Nabal. Sometimes we find ourselves in that situation where we get so hardened to the world around us that we forget that the Lord is at work in this world 
that the, that the Lord is at work in our lives, and we lose hope, and we lose courage, and we get to the point where we are just full of anger and rage. Any of y'all ever get angry before? Haven't you noticed there's really not much in our lives as far as steps of anger? You know, you think about a knob on a radio uh, for the volume that, you know, it starts down on low and you can just kind of turn it steadily, uh, you know, higher and higher and higher to get it to the point of the volume to which that you would want it to be. But when it comes to our anger, it just seems that it's zero to wrath of God in one split second. There is really never since any sense of control in our anger. When it comes to our anger, it seems that there's only one thing for us to do in that situation, and that is just to get rid of everybody. And so David was in a rage. He had promised to kill all the people there of his family, of, uh, of Nabal's family for what he had done. But he also, uh, not only was there Nabal, but there was also Abigail. And the servants and the young men, after uh, they had answered David so harshly, some of his uh, Nabal's servants went to Abigail and said, look, we've got a problem. Your idiot husband has gone off and ticked up this guy who has helped us, and now he's going to kill us all, and you need to figure out what we're going to do. Abigail found herself in a very precarious situation. She had her horrible, hot-headed husband. And boy, it had to been to live with someone like that. But he also had David. She also had David, who was coming to attack. And even though that this was not a problem, this was not something of her own making, she resolved in her heart that she had to do something. And it reminds us the same thing to which we have learned earlier in 1 Samuel is that God and Jesus calls us to be in our roles as peacemakers. That even in things that aren't necessarily our fault, that we work as ambassadors to, for Christ to bring peace. And so Abigail comes and speaks to David after gathering up the gifts and after gathering up the things that David had asked for, he goes, she goes before David to plead for him. And let's listen to what she said to him. In verse number 23, it says, When Abigail saw David, she hurried and got down from her donkey and fell before David in her face uh, and bowed towards God. She fell at his feet and said, uh, and said, O me alone, my Lord, be, uh, be the guilt. Please let your servant speak to your ears and hear the words of your servant. Let me and my Lord regard this worthless fellow Nabal, for as his name is, so he is. Nabal is his name, and folly is with him. But I am your servant. Do not see the young men of my Lord, whom you have sent. Now then, my Lord, as the Lord lives and your soul lives, because the Lord has restrained you from blood guilt and from serving uh, from your own hand, 
Now then, let your enemies and those who seek to do evil to my Lord be as Nabal. And now let this present of your servant have brought to my Lord be given to your men who follow my Lord. Please forgive the trespass of your servants, for the Lord will certainly make my, my Lord a, a sure house because my Lord is fighting the battles of the Lord, and evil shall be found on you as long as you live. If men rise up to pursue you and to seek your life, the life of my Lord shall be bound as a bundle of the living in the care of the Lord my God, and the lives of your enemies shall sling out as from the hollow of a sling. And when the Lord has done to my Lord, according to the all that God, all the good that has been spoken uh, and caroling, you has appointed you prince over Israel. Abigail comes to David and said, "David, I want you to remember some things. I want you to keep some things in mind in the midst of your anger, even though that Nabal has done you wrong." I want you to remember some things. And these are some things that we need to remember in our life when we face uh, things in our life. First thing that she wanted David to do was to slow down and think. That's really what we need to do, first of all, when we find ourselves in anger. When people do us wrong and all of a sudden we sit in those fits of rage, we need to slow down and think. What does the book of James tell us is that we should be quick to listen, but slow to speak and slow to act. Because in our rage, when it just instantly gets dialed up to 20 because of our instincts, we're just fits of rage. And what we really need to do before we do something crazy, before we do something destructive, we need to stop and think. I went shopping at Walmart yesterday, and nothing reminds me more of fits of rage and wrath and anger than a trip to Walmart on a Saturday. You would go to there, go down the aisles, and they had done sent somebody to do the shopping that had no idea what to get. And so they're just on the speakerphone with somebody trying to figure out what the, is this the one you want? Is this the one you want? Is this the one you want? Why didn't you come to the store? And then, of course, they got their whole entourage with them. There's the cousins, there's the aunts, and they're just all dragging about them playing on the phone. And you're just trying to get by to get there through your SpaghettiOs. And you, look, I just came this close to straight-up buggy raging killing this poor little girl who was standing in front of me. And I had to stop and think. I had to stop and think. And Abigail says, I want you to stop and think about the bloodshed that you are about to cause. And what she's saying is that, yeah, what Nabal did was wrong, but what you are about to do is wrong as well. And so sometimes, even as people who do us wrong, we will answer that wrong with another wrong because we don't have the ability to... to uh, make proper judgments, and handle properly these things in our, in our life. All we knew when somebody does us wrong is we want to hit somebody. We want to kick somebody. We want to do something to somebody because there's no measure. 
And it's the difference between the wrath that comes from God and the wrath that comes from us. The wrath that God's bring us is the appropriate judgment for what the action was. But the wrath that we bring on other people, oftentimes it's just us venting our rage. And if we don't stop to think about what it is that we're doing, if we don't stop and think about the clear thing that needs to be in our hearts and our lives, then we'll do something crazy. Paul gives us some great advice in Romans in 12, uh, chapter 12, 16. He says, Pay, Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible, as much as it depends on you, live peacefully with all. Stop and think about what you're doing. Don't do the reactional thing. <clears throat> do the right thing. Do as Peter instructed us this morning to stop and think when you face evil and when people revile you and when you suffer. Don't repay the evil for evil, but keep your eyes focused on Christ. He said, I want you to stop and think about what you're doing. And so the next thing I want you to do is I want you to, and then it uses that horrible F word that none of us like to use. Y'all know what that F word is? Forgive. Forgive. He said, I want you to forgive. I want you to forgive Nabal for his stupidity. Because you have to understand people. Some people are just like that. And we encounter a lot of crazy people. We encounter a lot of harsh people. And we encounter a lot of people that are just going to do us wrong. And Abigail says, you know what? There's really no fix for this. All you need to do, all it is for you to do is to forgive. And forgiving can be a harsh thing. How hard it could be for Abigail specifically that she has had to live in the house with this man for so long. A man named Nabal, whose name means fool. Let me give y'all some uh, relationship advice this morning. I know the last thing y'all want this morning is relationship advice from a single man, but here we go. Remember that when you're in a relationship with someone, when you're a husband and wife, what you do affects the reputation of the other person. What you do and the actions you take affects the whole family. It's the same among husbands and wife in the family. It's the same amongst you kids as, as, as well. What you do has an impact on the lives of everybody else in the family because you're a unit. You're joined there together. And what Nabal did was about to bring consequences on the whole family, even though that they had nothing to do with it. And the second bit of relationship advice I'm going to give you, and this may be more important, don't marry somebody whose name is fool. Find you something better else. Up your standards just a little bit. said, I want you to stop and think, and I want you to forgive. 
It's a hard thing for us to do. And sometimes we'll say, but, 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 and we'll list up all the things that they've done. And all those things, I imagine, are pretty bad. And I imagine all those things are justified. But the cross of Jesus Christ leaves us no room to not forgive someone else. Jesus tells us a story in Scripture about a man who had a very small debt, a debt of about a couple of days' wages of pay, but he didn't have it. I mean, uh, not a couple of days' wages, but a debt that was impossible, impossible to pay whatsoever. He could work 20 lifetimes and not be able to pay it, but yet his master forgives him, forgave him. But then he turned around and there was one of his fellow servants who had a debt that could over time be paid. But he demanded his money now. And he beat him and he put him in jail and said, you're not getting out until you pay what you owe. And the master that gave, forgave that man, that big debt, that impossible debt was furious and threw that man in prison and demanded that he pay the debt. You know, Jesus forgave a debt. He paid for a debt that was impossible for us to pay. And as large as what we may think about how people have done us wrong, it fails in comparison to our sins against God. And so that in the light is what we should think about when we forgive. So we need to stop and to think, and we need to forgive, but also we need to trust. He says, I want you to trust God. Think about what God has promised you, David. David, God has promised you that he is going to deliver you from your enemies. God has promised you that he is going to establish your throne. God has promised you that he's going to put these enemies who rise up against you as your footstools. God has promised you that he's going to prosper you. God has promised that he is going to vindicate you. So don't take these things in your own hands. Rather, trust God to work those things out. And how hard it is for us to trust God. When it doesn't seem like we're getting the results that we're supposed to get, we say, you know what, God, you know, you said you're going to do it, but it seems like you're a little late. It seems like you done forgot about me. So I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I want you to find in the scripture incidents where people didn't trust God and took matters in their own hands that I want you to find one of them that turned out good. Abraham and Sarah took matters in their own hands instead of trusting God's timing. And we've been paying for that ever since. There's wars being fought over right now because they couldn't wait and they couldn't trust God. We need to wait on the Lord. We need to trust His timing. We need to accept the things that He has told us as being true. Even though it doesn't seem like it's working out in the time that we want it to work out, in the ways that we want it to work out, that we are willing to put those things in God's hands and let Him handle it. And the next thing he want, she wanted them to, remind me, uh, to tell them is this. He said, she said, in the end, you'll regret it. You'll regret it. 
If you do what anger lies in your heart right now, there's going to become a time when God has vindicated you, when God has accomplished everything that he said he was going to do, and you're going to sit on that throne. But how horrible will it be to sit in that time and to think about that time where you just killed a whole bunch of people just to unleash your wrath. Think about this. Think about this. When we face those people who do us wrong, when we face every situation in our life, that one day we're all going to stand before God. He's coming back. He's going to bring victory over this world. He's going to bring victory over sin. He's going to bring victory over death. He's going to bring victory over evil. But just imagine when God brings all those things to an end, when he brings all those things to him, and we have to sit down before him and explain all of those times where we just let loose our anger and wrath to avenge our Self, what answer will we give? Will you in clear conscience be able to sit before God and justify how you handle those things that you face in your situations? I know some of those things I'll stand before God and I with clear conscience say, you know what, God, I know I did the right thing. But all too many times as God lays before me, the people I refuse to witness to, the people who I express words of anger to, all those people whom I refuse to forgive, I won't have that clear that conscience. And imagine that time where we have to hang our heads before Jesus and explain away all the ways that we've treated. People have done us right to whom we've repaid evil, but also those people who did us evil and we repaid them with evil. Let's remember that we will face an account for everything that we do, and we're not going to be held by the world's standards because if David would have done what he said he was going to do, everybody else here would probably say, well, I can see how you do that, and we would probably say, well, I'd probably do the same thing, but we have to measure those actions according to the standards of God. Trust God. Forgive and wait for him. And so David did. And David accepted the offering and he extended his forgiveness. And what did the Lord do? The Lord answered their prayers. The Lord acted. The Lord brought his vengeance. Eventually, it got out to Nabal what had happened. And what his wife did. And it said it was all, he was almost like a dead man. He seared up like a statue because he realized how dumb and foolish he was. And eventually, God took him out. He took him out because of what he did to David. And he took him out because of the person that he was to his wife. So you guys remember. Do your girl wrong, God may come and get you and take you out and replace you. But we all need to remember 
We all need to remember that God is at work. And we need to trust Him. And even when people do us wrong, and we are tempted to just let loose our wrath, instead we remember what Christ did for us, that we stop and think about what it is that we're doing. Is it the appropriate thing to do? Do we need to forgive? And we always should trust God. We'll go through many encounters this week of dealing with people. People that'll make us angry. People that'll test us. And people that'll do us right. And people that'll do us wrong. We'll encounter so many people this week. And let's pray that the Holy Spirit would give us the patience to stop and think and act in a way and speak in a way that will glorify Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank You so much for the things that You've blessed us with. Lord, we just thank You for Your Holy Spirit in our hearts and our lives. Lord, the presence of Your Son that lives within us, that guides us through every day of life. And Lord, I pray that we will trust His Word and stop long enough to listen to Him when we face every encounter that we will have this week. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's stand and sing a hymn of invitation.